What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Today proudly presents The Chuck Oliver Show. It's an inside look at everything college football. Now live from Atlanta, Georgia, it's time to talk college football with the reigning king of college football, Chuck Oliver, on Southern Sports Today. This is the mark in time. We later try to identify. It's Chuck Oliver Show on a Monday. King Day. We're putting in the work. Appreciate everybody if you're out and about, if you're working as well. Appreciate you listening. If you're off today, good for you. I said this is the mark in time that we later like look back and say, when did things change? Because do you realize there was a time when not only was like right now we know that the SEC best conference in football, and it still is, Big Ten is usually second or 1A or shoulder to shoulder. And this year they got a national championship. And the SEC's on-field products were sketchy hither and yon. But I'm not going to change my evaluation of what I know uh, because of four months and the fact that the SEC on-field may have been the 1A themselves this year. There was a time when the SEC, it not only wasn't the best conference in football, it was just another conference in football. Now, who did the SEC have? Well, they always had Bama. Occasionally, they had Auburn. Sometimes they had Tennessee. Georgia would raise its hand, et cetera. Florida never won. Do we realize that? Never won an SEC championship until 1984. And I don't know, it was like three weeks later, they had to, I saw a picture of this. They had to box it up, mail it back to Birmingham. So they had nothing until Spurrier arrived. Oh, another mark in time. In the SEC's ascension to the number one conference, whether it's coaches, players, stadiums, fans, there are a lot of major events. Steve Spurrier, I, Bear Bryant passing is a huge event, mark in time. Steve Spurrier arriving, mark in time, changed everything. Part of the SEC becoming better than, I don't know, the Southwest Conference or the Big Eight, which in a random year, it might not have been better than the Southwest or the Big Eight, either one of them. That was college football, I don't know, 35 years ago, 40, 60 years ago. And then things happen. And then Bear Bryant goes to Kentucky. 
And then Steve Spurrier says it's not evil to throw the football. And then, thankfully, no one at the SEC head coach level had input. But folks in Birmingham at the league office had all the input. And they decided we're going to have a championship game. (laughs) Marking time. Well, this one has been just marked with blatant headlines. And I mean, since last Wednesday, about four o'clock local time, when Nick Saban walking into a meeting was like, what am I going to tell these guys? Um, All right, I I retire. Monster headline after monster headline, only some of them taking place on the campus in Tuscaloosa. When I talk about other headlines, we got those first. And one of them involved Florida State, Mike Norvell. He wasn't going to be a candidate because he got a new deal. The first headline involved Dan Lanning. And not him saying, I'm staying at Oregon, just like I told y'all in December. The first headline was Dan Lanning was in Tuscaloosa. He's here. Um, Dan Lanning was not. He was watching uh, Born Supremacy or something. It's the one where he kills the guy with the phone book. That's the one that he was watching. So the next morning, uh, Thursday, it's Max Day in the weight room. So you got to be there for Max Day, don't you? Headline, Dan Lanning, still not in Tuscaloosa. And then he announced, and I won't be in Tuscaloosa unless we play him there and I don't see a home and home. And Steve Sarkeesian raised his head and the Longhorn brand for the first time related directly to this and i want to say it was round about wasn't it friday morning like day and a half later there was a video and sark announced he's like no it's like i haven't wavered took me a minute to get my video game on and i'm staying hook him so steve sarkeesian was out of the mix and he was just part of the story just the long line of coaches who had said I'd said three things on Friday. Right now, not like four years from now, right now, for me, Oregon, Texas, Florida, whatever, is a better spot. Right now, for me, it's better to stay here. So that's just how that list, it it unfolded immediately, and I was told early that there were only three real candidates on it. And I'd heard that Tommy Reese simply out of I, some I, duty, properness. I appreciate doing things the right way. I've always said there's a right way and a wrong way to do everything. College football at the Power 5 level, mm, you need to do right by your program. Remember North Carolina? We do things the right way. We are not going to fire Carl Torbush. If you don't know that story, go look it up. They should have fired Carl Torbush, in my opinion. But they said, we're North Carolina. We're different. So, this is not a time to be different, but Tommy Reese got on the list, apparently, I guess, maybe. Maybe it was the list after Lanning and Norvell and, oh yeah, Sark, uh, and others were like, nope, I'm good, and then they got broke off by their own university. Maybe he was added, I don't know. But the initial list that we all saw publicly Kalen DeBoer, Mike Norvell, the OC, already there. I didn't really buy that third one. Thought he did a 
pretty good job second half of the season, actually. And it's not nothing to show up and you got ballers everywhere and you got to figure all this out. And you didn't really have a plow horse at running back. You didn't really have, you know, the seven blocks of granite. Who was that, Fordham? Didn't really have that up front. Is Lombardi on that line? So they, you didn't have that. Your time, you race, and it was gruesome early. And even after you got your quarterback, it was still gruesome. And he in particular, he wore that in Tampa. But you figured it out. And I was like, okay, for whatever reasons that I don't know, Tommy Reese apparently is one of the three. Along with Kalen DeBoer, Mike Norvell. Now, that, again, was available information. We have a, it's like somebody every day, because we do this show earlier in the day, timing-wise, it's like somebody throws me a bowling ball, a chainsaw, and a cat and says, juggle. Like, we're talking Kalen DeBoer because I got told Thursday night, dude, it's him. Like, there are reps in Seattle, and if it's not Kalen, it's because he says no. And then Friday morning, the word was he's meeting with the Washington AD to either say, nope, I'm all on board, go Huskies. Uh, And he's going to walk out wearing a dog collar. Or he's saying, been fun, peace, brah. And it turns out it was the latter. So I'd heard that the list was actually kind of one. I guess the Board of Regents in Tallahassee didn't hear it quite as definitively. Maybe the folks up in Eugene, they said, we, we're Nike. We're not waiting on this. But at Washington, there were efforts, and they did probably everything they could. And Kalen DeBoer still left. We now know, I don't know if it's official or not, because like I said, we're on earlier in the day, and we were talking Kalen DeBoer, Kalen DeBoer, all day Friday during the show. And then... There are folks who you hear this a little later in the day, and it's not as speculative anymore. Um, That's just kind of what we do. You just got to kind of deal with that sometimes. Um, But you would imagine that there's a little more timely um, sense of urgency, maybe, grasp of the what's going on in in a minute-to-minute sort of fashion in a place like Tallahassee. And I don't want to say, Mike, maybe he was going to get a 10-year, $80 million contract anyway. I don't know if that's true. Maybe Dan Lanning's going to get his new deal anyway. Maybe, oh, yeah, Steve Sarkeesian, there he is again. Maybe he was going to get his new deal again anyway. But there is one name that continues to pop up in here. And when I say there are so few events that actually shape the SEC... Folks, this is absolutely one of them. And this one is already doing it. There is a chance. We haven't even talked about Kalen DeBoer yet. And the fact that he may bring Ryan Grubb with him because Ryan Grubb was thinking, I would love to be the UW head coach. In fact, he was thinking that out loud. And after they said, nope, we're going to hire Jed Fish, Ryan Grubb out loud said, my heart would have loved it, but onward. I think onward is Tuscaloosa. This one is already shaping it. This event is already shaping the SEC. We name talked about Kalen DeBoer and if Ryan Grubb comes and transfers and everything else, transfers to Alabama. 
there is a brain cell that's trying to take over my entire gray matter this morning that Texas and Georgia is the new blood sport throwdown rivalry in the SEC. And Georgia plays at Darrell Royal Stadium in September. Alabama recruits Texas a lot more than vice versa. And Tide players have found their way home via the portal plenty. Texas beat Alabama last season. Alabama got into the playoffs only because of Texas. Bo Davis looked at Saban and said, "Mm, probably not. Sark took his name out. UT broke him off afterwards until the end of the 2030 season for the now going rate for elite guy the other program wants of $10 million per season. This is the only program that continues to come up in the Alabama story. And it came up on field. It was the only program outside of the Wolverines where it came up on field. It comes up in December and February as well. It comes up when the portal opens. A lot more so than, I don't know, that player from Homewood that went to Texas and said, no, I just I need to play for the Tide. It's a lot more of a kid from Lone Star State heading back. Texas is maybe the number one state for recruiting. If not, it's second or third to Florida and California, and then comes Georgia. Alabama's outstanding. Mm, It's not quite as important to Texas as, as that state is to Bama. And again, it's inescapable. If Texas does not continue to win, Alabama doesn't make the playoffs. Bo Davis is the coach that apparently started all of this in the immediate sense last Wednesday. And by the way, it may not be over. Remember, I just, Jed Fish got the job, which means, I don't know, Alabama, they've been, so the reason I said about where the show may air later than when we actually speak the words, Ryan Grubb may be introduced as the, hey, is Ryan Grubb the OC yet? I don't believe he's been officially announced, but that's clearly where it's going. Oh, wow. What a great way. to. So, yeah, it's not official anything yet, but I think that's what's going to happen. Um, but Jed Fish, he, he was not an OC somewhere. He wasn't working for CBS and out of the game for a couple of years to catch his breath. He was at Arizona. It's like a really, really powerful school. Like, it's a big-time program now. And they're going to come for someone else's coach or OC. And now that the ACC is in its kind of bright light shining on it, its status, um, they can lose a head coach to one of these programs now. So that's why it's important. All right, we're going to take a quick break, come back, jump into it next. Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. Nine states, 66. Been dealing with that since the beginning of the 2014 season. Appreciate y'all making that possible. Easy to hear things. And I, so I'm just going to tell you something I heard. Jeff Collins got hired back December of whatever, I don't know, was it 19? And he was expecting. 
one of his biggest surprises was after i don't know he day a week a month he looks around he was like they won't leave like he was expecting a lot of the kids to leave well georgia tech's smarty pants school that cost i don't know a lot and a lot of these kids were close to graduation they're like no i want the diploma now um rest assured that brent key is not having that same challenge uh, I got a bunch of folks transferring out. We'll get to that in just a second, but there's also Blue Sky. They made hires, et cetera. So I want to welcome on right now our truest reporter for Georgia Tech from JacketsOnline.com. It's a Rivals thing. Kelly Quinlan. Kelly, welcome, man. How are you? I'm good, Chuck. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, let's talk about Georgia Tech and defensive coordinator and the guy who put some skins on the wall. Got, got a little attention this year. Yeah, they hired Tyler Santucci from uh, Duke. He uh, is a Mike Elko disciple. He was uh, Elko's GA going all the way back to Wake Forest. And they've been together off and on throughout his career. He was at A&M with both Elko and they stayed with and co-DC with DJ Durkin a year ago. Uh, just a young coach that's clawed his way up the ranks. Uh, worked, you know, at Notre Dame, some other places, Texas State briefly he's just uh, a guy who's been on this kind of upward trajectory and he kind of wanted to get out of Mike Elko's shadow a little bit and I think that's what precipitated this move versus you know maybe joining in a different role at A&M they also added a guy Jess Simpson who's been in the league uh high school at a place called Buford I've known him for I mean 100 million years going back to Auburn um talk about the other hires because there's a couple of them yeah, so they added Jess um, as the defensive line coach. Jess is just an old-school football coach and really well-respected here. Yep. You know, helped turn Buford into a powerhouse program. Um, he he brings that NFL thing. Guys have multiple NFL stints. Uh, you know, Grady Jarrett said he's the best D-line coach he ever had. Uh, that's pretty high praise to me, like, uh, given how many different guys he's worked with over the years. But you know, Jess brings that in, and then they hired Kyle Pope from Memphis. He'll coach outside linebackers. Kyle's a guy that Brent Key literally went against every day at Alabama when Brent was the line coach. Kyle was the defensive line GA at the time at Bama. And so Brent definitely has a good idea. He wanted to hire Kyle a year ago. Kyle stayed at Memphis because I think he thought he was in line to be the D.C. there if their D.C. left. When that didn't happen this past offseason, I think he was started looking around, and they reconnected. All right, well, uh, let's talk about offense then. Um, how sad is this thing? I mean, as much as it can be in the portal era, but on January 15th, how kind of, quote, set does the offense look for, let's say, for spring practice till somebody gets angry in portals? Yeah, I mean, they're, I think, 41 out of whatever, 42, 43 spots you want to have in terms of scholarship guys. They have pretty much everything they want. Uh, they added uh, – uh, Keelan Rutledge, uh, a.k.a. Big Red guard to replace Connor Scaglione. And then basically in the tight end position, most of the offense is back. They'll, uh, they'll lose Dominic Blaylock, who hung up his cleats, and the two tight ends, and uh, Dante Smith, who's the backup running back. Um, but that's it. They have everyone else back. So it's pretty well set. They have good O-line depth. they got decent receivers. They'll get Leo Blackburn back, who missed the entire uh, 2023 season, an outside receiver to basically replace Blaylock. They get Singleton. They kept him, which was a big recruiting win. So they have a really good offense, and Haynes King's obviously back to be the trigger man again, and you expect him to level up 
in his second full year of playing, you know, every day, which he's not had that opportunity to do because of injuries and stuff when he was at A&M. And also, we're able to keep the play caller. And I can't even say, is that the right verbiage, able to, quote, keep him? Um, I'm used to seeing Georgia Tech have a, a pop season from an assistant, and then the dude's gone. Yeah, I think Buster's situation is he's going to be very picky about it. He was in the wilderness for a little while and went to UGA and reset himself. And he has a kid that's in high school here in the Atlanta area. And, um he wants to see his kid play football. His kid's a starting quarterback at his high school, and I think he he's very happy with the situation, and it's going to take a big job for him to jump. And he got some additional uh, broke off, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. He's a he'll get bumped. You know, the new DC will get whatever he's getting. Yeah. And that's a whole thing in all these things, right? Like people talk about when you make the coordinator hires, you can't go and hire a DC and pay him like double what you pay Buster. So all those things factor into all these things. And I think Brent did a good job of kind of managing the resources he has and all this and and upgrading his on the field assistance. Got to agree with you on that quick word. uh, Just a 32nd flyover. If a tech fan sees we got a D lineman from Furman, Jack Barton is a transfer in. Is there context? Because normally um, it's, you need to be bigger and stronger than, than what you get from Furman. Yeah, he uh, he was really successful at that level, and he was a guy they recruited some out of high school, and they just kind of need an older body, and he has been a guy that's just a grinder and is going to come in and work hard, and I think they wanted to take a flyer on him just to see if it would work out or not, and I think he'll have an opportunity to compete for some major playing time in the fall if he can step it up. It's just going to be a question of development at that point. Yeah, and make some contributions there. All right, brother, I appreciate the kind of, uh, the information as always, man. Thank you. No problem, Chuck. Be good. All right. So Jack Barton coming in, and uh, he's a guy that, uh, again, you see somebody at that weight, uh, whether, I don't know, DN, tight end, guy catching passes, um, and you think, is this really the guy that my Power 5 program or Power 4 program or whatever it is, like there's just a different there's a different thing. Um and there's also competition. It's the same thing. I've, I mentioned this last week coming out of um, coming out of private school. It's something that I will just look at. I mean, a, a second time is all. And I look at, is there anything about this kid that is just, I'm blowing up either undersized or less able or less hungry or less everything. Am I, is that what I'm doing on Friday nights? Um it's the same sort of thing, and it may just be, no, Jared Verse was at Albany, uh, and the jump was just fine for him. That can always be the case, too. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Aren't you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. 
You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com. Catch the king of college football no matter where you go with a new Southern Sports Today app. Catch the best college football conversation in the South everywhere with the SST live stream and daily podcast. Downloaded now at the App Store and the Google Play Store. Now more of the best college football talk in the country. It's the Chuck Oliver Show. It's Monday on the Chuck Oliver Show and we're talking college football. I don't know if dibs has a place in the adult world. Is that, does that still work? I'm a grown man. I called it. I would like I called it to have status again. Uh, apparently, the Chargers, I called it with Jim Harbaugh. They got the first dance. And he's gone. Gone, 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 gone. There is no better. Don't be Ralph Regan. Don't have your, and so many others, have your alma mater fire you. Which it always happens. So he's going to leave and maybe to the Chargers. Um, show calls. That's not nothing. And you talk about treacherous. Last week, the NCAA passed a number of new rules. One of them was you now hammer a school for hiring a coach under a show cause. Previously, it only penalized the coach who had the show cause, and he could get kind of get a note from the NCAA saying it's okay to hire him. And there were no penalty. Now, if there's recruiting restrictions and scholarship, et cetera, uh, levied, penalties levied on any school that hires a guy under show cause. I only bring that up because Alec Atkins, I don't know, man. I wasn't there. It seems pretty heavy handed what happened to Alex Atkins, Florida State offensive coordinator, getting three games. Um, among other issues, we'll talk about the good side of things. And Florida State keeps its coach. Want to welcome on from right, right now, 93.3 FM, Tallahassee, and also War Channel's Jeff Cameron. Jeff, welcome to the program on this Monday. How you doing? Doing well, sir. Good to be with you as always. Oh, thank you for your time. Let's talk about, first of all, the headline from, I think it was Thursday, maybe. Yeah. Um, very serious name, image, likeness uh, violations, and the NCAA has announced penalties, including a three-game suspension and two-year show calls for Alex Atkins. I think it's treacherous. It's the day after they said, all right, folks, uh, it's now really, really bad if a guy gets a show calls, and then the next day, show calls Alec Atkins. <laughs> Yeah, and it's got a lot of people rolling their eyes, especially if you look at the details surrounding why that was levied. It seems odd in the era of NIL that that could be a thing. Um, but it is uh, allegedly a thing, and so it is that Alex Atkins uh, has show cause, won't be getting a job anywhere else anytime soon. He'll be right here at Florida State in a lot of weird ways. Florida State fans are probably happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mike Norvell, at least by paper, uh, he will as well. Uh, he got broke off eight year deal, ten million per season. Was there ever flirtation? Flirtation? Was there ever? We're playing footsie because I heard he was one of the for real, real candidates. 
Yeah, it actually got to that place where it was a for real, real candidate. I think actually at the end of the day, it became him and DeBoer, and it was a very real uh, you know, threat for Florida State that they could lose their head coach. And I think certainly on the heels of what happened after a 13-0 and season and then the snub and frustration stemming from that, and you know, all of that seemed to be mounting, this weight of has anything ever gone so wrong for a fan base or a program after an undefeated season as it had post-snub uh, with, with the, obviously the, the opt-outs and, and all the things that occurred in that ugly situation in the Orange Bowl. Then you find out that perhaps your head coach is going to be moving on to another job. You had the Alex Atkins situation. People were getting very frustrated because of what it would have meant, obviously, is this portal class that they've brought in, this high school class that they've brought in, the successes that have been ramped up over the course of the last two seasons would have been scattered to the wind. Chuck, people would have been running uh, obviously for the hills and so Florida State fans knew that and they watched very carefully but I think it was a smart move obviously Jimmy Section doesn't lose these sorts of no. things and everybody gets a raise and everybody does well but at the end of the day I think Florida State surviving Alabama attempting to poach your coach means you feel pretty secure moving forward if Mike Ravel continues to do a good job that he's going to be here in Tallahassee is it even worth unmudding the waters? Does, uh, I guess, the sanctions against Rising Spear have any effect on the program? None. Uh, the Battles Inn has been the more successful of the uh, NIL uh, groups and has been the one that has largely been involved in football for some time now. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that to be flippant. I, I'm honestly, if, if you just look at how Florida State's collective operates currently, the Battles Inn is the one that emerged uh, for football uh, pretty much mainly. And, and, the, and, and the Rising Spear group uh, does work with you know women's basketball and some of the non-revenue sports and things of that ilk I, I don't think it has an impact on Florida State's football program moving forward all right well let's talk about maybe something a little more uh, on field <laughs> uh and it seems that Mike Norvell it's load up because I, this is going to be a year by year sort of effort for us there's no load up season for later on there is no red shirt everybody like Jim Grobe could do 20 years ago um, talk about their portal activity because they've been active. Yeah, they've been really active, and I'm I'm kind of surprised they've been as active as they have been. It's interesting you framed it right, Chuck, because I think a lot of people looked at what Florida State was losing and thought, okay, look, you don't want to regress to a place from going 13 and 0 to 7 and 5. You need to sustain a level of excellence that let's not forget kind of puts you out there as a preeminent program in the game again at a time in which you're suing the conference attempting to leave. You want to put your best foot forward and sustain a level of visibility and excellence that would make you attractive. And so I think trying to create that balance of, all right, understand you're going to lose Jordan Travis. You're going to lose Jared Verse. You're losing a lot of veteran presence in production. What do you really want to invest, for lack of a better term, in the portal and at the end of the day, I think they realized, well, if there are opportunities here and the momentum is sustained the way it has been each of the last two years in the portal because Florida State's reputation in the portal is very good right now, then you might as well take advantage of that. And I think once DJ decided to come in and be a bridge quarterback uh, between, say, this year and when Brock Glenn will take over the following year in all likelihood, I think then they felt like they had a team that would it 
the very least go out and compete for the ACC next year with what they had coming back and a quarterback with that many games under his belt. And all of a sudden, the momentum built. And, you know, now you bring in a running back out of Alabama. You bring in a receiver out of Alabama. They're looking at bringing in a linebacker, Sean Murphy, out of Alabama. He's visiting Tallahassee today. You brought in a receiver, Speed and Brown, from LSU. And you're just seeing it all of a sudden. The, the floor of talent at Florida State in the last three years, Chuck, and we have talked about it together on this show, has risen to a level that I don't think anybody around the program thought possible, and that's all through the portal. Now they've married it with a top 10 recruiting class out of the high school ranks because of the wins on the field. So sustaining momentum has been very big, and, you know, they, they have brought in a ton of guys. So I've always said this, like, I don't know, if something really strange happened, Mike Norvell could go coach linebackers at Stanford and be just fine. He knows football, but he played offense. He's always coached offense. That's what he does, specifically quarterbacks, et cetera. Um, what do you think Mike Norvell sees? What do you think Mike Norvell has in his mind in DJU? Well, I think he has a guy that's played a ton of football and is a massive individual. I'm talking about size. And if you look at the offensive line, Brian Ferguson from Alabama, who I had a moment ago, and you and they retain a lot of that interior size, they brought in a bunch of beef. I, I think it's interesting. I think they're going to change the way they play football. Chuck, they brought in burners on the outside to go along with what they have coming back in Hakeem Williams and Dravius Jacobs and Destin Hill. So you've got speed to stretch the field, which last year they really didn't have. Keon Coleman got hurt halfway through the season, lost his speed, wasn't as productive as he was early. Johnny Wilson's a big receiver and a matchup problem, but really isn't a burner down the field at all. He wanted to fix that. I think they want to pound the football, win short yardage situations. You've got a quarterback that will help aid that. You've got a big back coming in, as well as a big back in the recruiting class in Camp Davis. I think they want to pound the football and then throw off a play action and burn you deep with all that speed they're bringing in. And I think he thinks DJ has played a ton of football and can be smart with the football and run it in short yardage situations as well. Couple of more minutes with our good friend Jeff Cameron. Uh, all right, we'll flip it around. Talk about Marvin Jones Jr. and his arrival. Well, this is one that is celebrated by the fan base because it's coming out of high school. Yeah, I mean, we both know what Marvin Jones was, right? I mean, Marvin is up there with what the four or five greatest linebackers I've ever seen play. That short list stuff, yeah. Yeah, and and he's a legend in the program. So when he chose Georgia, a lot of people were devastated. A lot of people were frustrated. A lot of people thought that was emblematic of the problems Florida State was having in recruiting. To circle back and get him they're going to have to obviously kind of get him to play and be more productive. Now he was behind a lot of guys. He got on the field for Georgia, but he wasn't the five-star guy in terms of production that everybody saw coming out of high school. I think he's a chance here to replace Jared verse and, and, and play a role immediately. Um, if he does, obviously people just look up in there to the ring of honor at Florida state and they'll see his dad's number. Um, it would be a celebration, but in, in terms of the athleticism, I think it sustains Florida state's presence off the edge big time is he 55 yes yes sir is that is that like is that available is that <laughs> does the kid get well, it if he wants it i've been tested kid wore 14 i was like you rock that son <laughs> 
know if Marvin Jones Jr. wants it or not. Uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to him yet since he got here, but it's a good question. Uh, and I haven't even broached the subject, but it's a fair one. I think it would be available, and I think Dad would say yes if he wanted to do it. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, really. Like I said, I, I, once the kid decided, I was like, all right, you go wear that 14, kid. All right, uh, <laughs> Jeff, always appreciate your time, friend. Thank you. Uh, be good, brother. All right, Jeff Cameron again from uh, 93.3 there in Tallahassee. Um, also warchant.com. So he is a big, broad-shouldered kid that can run and hit. And if you ask any linebackers coach, what are the two things you want? I want a runner and hitter. That's because I, I can get the kid on the move. I can get him pointing in the right direction. I'll teach him that. I need somebody who can move, who can get to the spot I need him to. And then the the, the only thing you can't do – Y'all know this. You only I can improve speed. We can, I don't know, we'll work you out and so you'll get stronger and you'll learn the game. The only thing I cannot teach, you can't coach a kid to enjoy the physical part of the game. If he doesn't have it, then just just not there. You can teach him every, literally everything else and you can help him improve the physical part. Um, the the actual time, the the weight, the strength, the all that stuff, the agility, the stop and start, all of that you can work on. If he's a linebacker who doesn't want to tackle two feet past the running back, there's something on the other side of the running back I have to get to. If he's not a guy who tackles two feet past the running, then it's just not going to work. It's not what it is. Um, and so they looked in Athens. Now, granted, this is in Athens. Where you shake the tree, much five-star kids, four-star, five-star kids fall out of it. In fact, I think now they have the maybe Georgia has the highest blue chip ratio of the 11, 12, 13 programs, the teams in an individual season. Maybe they have it. They were up to like 80% were blue chip. And he was told in Athens, granted, talented kids everywhere. He was told last August it's practice one. Go take this job. Put a hammer lock on it. And that didn't happen. He played. He played kind of well. Jamon Dumas Johnson is looking for a new place to play. Marvin Jones, he had an opportunity and sort of a, a, an, an edict. Go do this. Why don't you make it your time? And then he didn't. And so... Uh, supremely talented. It looks right. Uh, and he will have an opportunity down in Tallahassee. And again, more of a, more of a wide open path to a lot of snaps this year versus in Athens where other than guys like Marvin Jones, Jr. Leaving and Jamon Dumas, Johnson, leaving, other than guys like that, Lightsey who went to tech and I didn't even ask Kelly about him. Uh, other than guys like that leaving, no, there's no snaps available. It's guys who are getting a portion of it themselves who are leaving. In Tallahassee, I don't know, Jared Verse left. So it's a little bit more immediate down there. All right, we're going to take a quick break, uh, come back, wrap up hour one next. more college football talk with the king of college football. It's the Chuck Oliver Show on Southern Sports Today. In true Nick Saban fashion, man. He he did it his way, as Fred Astaire said. And, uh, you know, yeah. I talked to him uh, the day before he actually retired, and, and there was no indication because our conversation was about the future. Our conversation was about, you know, he's interviewing coaches, and he was 
asking about a couple of guys for positions and so to find out the next day that he was making a decision to retire it just it blew my mind Mike Loxley Maryland head coach and they're having more success and I don't know maybe it'll be consistent there's some people to pick on in that conference you need some people to pick on if you go eight and five and you're four and five in the conference, you know what you did? You picked on enough people and then you rocked the non conference and hey, we're an A win program. You went four and five in conference. Come here, Purdue, eat this. Rutgers, where are you at? But that's somebody else's problem. He's had three straight winning seasons, three straight bowl games at Maryland. Those three seasons. 21, 22, and 23, not even counting COVID stuff. Three straight winning seasons, including bowls, in the conference, three and six, four and five, four and five. <laughs> Isn't that like skating right on the edge, especially when winning on a particular Saturday? It's it's a Van Halen score. almost. It's 51-50, man. It's, it's an every seven days throughout the season. That is no way to play football and not and not put together sustained winning. Loxley's doing it. If you go way back, and this would be enjoyable, because I always talk about mustard seeds. Every every Saturday in college football, what we see still a lot of it, a lot of it, the zone read, the option, the edge based stuff. Go back and watch. There's a guy named Juice Williams at Illinois and that was Zook and Mendenhall and Aurelius Ben. I think Mike Williams was there and they had 11 guys on defense too. And they were running like the mustard seed version, like the first derivation of what Rich Rod was doing. And Loxley, I mean, was at the front of all of it and he was exactly what everybody wanted. And he went from OC at Illinois, a team they took to the Rose Bowl. That was he was OC and he took the job at New Mexico. So when we hear the hot OC, like do I strike now? Because you know what's not sustainable? Taking Illinois to the Rose Bowl. So maybe I have to strike now. And it was New Mexico, and then he had to go away for a little while. Uh and then he kind of made it back in courtesy of Nick Saban for part of that. Uh Heath, how's it Monday? Uh Monday's doing all right, Chuck. Uh one thing that I think is noteworthy coming out of the weekend, by the way, uh Fred Astaire, legendary for his uh did it my way thing there. Yeah, that Mike was Loxley. more of a Paul Anka or a Frank Sinatra. I was gonna let that roll, but you know, whatever. Mike Loxley, maybe not a fan of the old school music as much. Um regardless there though, uh I think we could safely say one of the big winners of the weekend, Jed Fish, uh, leaves Arizona, goes to Washington. It is a seven-year deal reported to be worth $7.75 million a year. There's a couple of things here. One is that Arizona, by all accounts, would have liked to have kept him. But, Chuck, we've heard a lot about state legislatures and, and the idea that with name, image, and likeness, they needed to help out their athletic programs by giving them the best possible rules to take advantage of, the way that Mar- or, uh, Missouri, for example, allows high school kids to begin getting NIL during their senior year as long as they've chosen a state school, that kind of thing. Uh, This is one where if you have state legislators, you need them to help out your program in other ways. 
Arizona has a policy that they cannot give contracts longer than five years. It is a state law policy. Five years is the max. Mississippi has the same problem with four years. And Colorado, for assistance, can't offer assistance more than one year ever. Uh, And it has hurt that program a ton through the years. Part of why Arizona lost Jed Fish to Washington is because, again, seven years versus five years, that's a whole bunch more security and it's a whole bunch more money because Arizona's got a huge problem going financially in their athletic department. But if Jed Fish was the big winner maybe out of this, the number two winner, Chuck, is uh, he's in Gainesville because we don't know all the details of that contract. But at bare minimum, with seven years, $7.75 million, it would be a lot more expensive to try and get Jed Fish out of Seattle than it is Tucson. And I've got to believe that they're also smart enough in Seattle to give themselves a pretty high buyout level of protection after losing their last coach after two years and knowing this dude's alma mater might have an opening in the next year or two. For Florida fans, they kind of seized on the idea, hey, if Napier doesn't work out, we've got a guy who just got Arizona to some pretty high levels that we haven't seen from Arizona in a long time who happens to be an alum. Boy, wouldn't he be a great fit. He's a lot less of a fit now, going to be behind a wall more than likely that you can't climb over for at least a couple of years. If you're Billy Napier, part of the push will be just what you do. But part of the push can also always be who's that shiny toy that could replace you. And the shiny toy just got put up on the top shelf. That's a big win for Billy Napier, and he had nothing to do with it. Didn't Colorado State, weren't they supposed to get like a home game out of Florida or something? And instead they converted it to cash just to give them a payoff? Like, didn't they, like, wasn't there a buyout with McIlwain? I don't remember if they had to come. They they got a big money contract to yeah. come to Gainesville. I don't think that Florida had ever agreed to go out to Fort Collins, but they did get a big money deal to play in Gainesville that was part of the deal to get him out of that contract. Yeah, there was conversation. Some That has been done, I know. And I thought that there was some sort of language in Florida was like, yeah, we're not going there. Here's 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 more money. I thought that was part of it, but I do know that they got the the eventual payoff anyway, and they got to play in the big stadium. Um, but it is it, it ask for it, ask for it, and is it going to make a program like Alabama less likely to pay? Probably not. Program like Florida or Washington, probably not. Um, and so your school is a lot more protected than if not. And my goodness, um, with the money being thrown around at the top level like this, uh, in most cases, you're not going to be able to keep that coach. So good for them having it built in. What are your plans for your business this year? Hey, it's Tug. Do you want to expand and grow? Are you exhausted by going to lenders, building a relationship, and a week later, you got a new person to deal with? You have to start all over again? You don't have that with First Liberty Building and Loan. The Frost family has been helping businesses grow since the 90s, and they want to know you. Unlike big banks, they want to partner with you. The Frost family knows the patterns. They know the ebbs and flows. They know business. Get to know them at FirstLibertyGA.com. Building a building? Buying a building? Buying a franchise? Expanding? Reach out to them. Spend 10 minutes with them. See if you're a fit for them and if they're a fit for you. You do that at FirstLibertyGA.com. And by the way, if you're a young banker and want to work with a team that is faith-friendly and has a culture of excellence, First Liberty might be a good match. Reach out to them today. First Liberty Building and Loan. FirstLibertyGA.com. That's FirstLibertyGA.com.